0: Up, production.
1: Your career plan, it's yours. So you can change not only your path, but even your outcome, the final goal. Look at yourself and say, where am I trying to go? What is the value that you are adding to the company? And then what can you do to increase that value to make yourself or your team more valuable to the company and to the customer? These are things we're never taught in school, but if you understand this, you become so much more effective in your job.
0: I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, and this is Fast Track. Everyone is looking for a career toolkit and on Fast Track. We're always attempting to give you access to the latest research and interesting practical tips and ideas from those who have been there already, but rarely does anyone deliver the toolkit to you. Like any toolkit, we have to build it over time as our circumstances and we change. Thankfully, there's now a brilliant book titled The Career Toolkit that focuses on essential tips for success that no one taught you. Mark Hirschberg is the author of this book and my next guest. Mark has spent his career launching and developing new ventures at startups and Fortune 500s, and he's been in academia with a master's teaching at MIT and also Harvard Business School. Mark is based in New York and joins us on Fast Track today. Mark, I'm really curious, what inspired you to write a book, The Career Toolkit? Did you see a gap? It seems like an obvious topic and a bit like this podcast, but what inspired you to write this?
1: I first discovered the problem when I began hiring, and I would ask people a technical question, which might be in their discipline. So for me, it was software, but it could be asking accountants or marketing people, and they'd give me the right answer. But then I would ask them, what makes someone an effective teammate? What are some of the communication challenges you might face on a job like this. And I would get blank stares. Because when we teach people at university, we're teaching them the technical skills of their degree, but not these professional skills. It's these professional skills that really make us much more effective. If you think about networking, everyone since we were little was telling us networking is so important. But no one actually sat us down to teach us how to do it. And that's the gap that I'm now filling.
0: Okay. So we're not taught this. Why don't schools teach us this? Why don't universities teach us a career toolkit?
1: Universities are run by professors and I work with them and they do many great things. I like them, but professors really are about conferring knowledge within their domain. So when you get a marketing degree, the professors in the marketing department who run that department confer the degrees have said, you have taken a sufficient number of classes we now convey with this degree that you have a certain level of knowledge in marketing. That is all they are saying. They are not saying you will be a good marketer. They're not saying you are professionally competent. They're just saying we deem you to have reached this level of knowledge. And universities, for their historical reasons, haven't been market focused. They haven't been about let's make you effective at your jobs. They've more just been this highbrow signal.
0: And so whose responsibility is it then to make us effective as a job? Is it the business we join or is it the leadership program that we join or is it ourselves?
1: Certainly, I think universities need to change. I think organizations or professional organizations need to help develop us. But responsibility ultimately lies with you. No one is more responsible for your career than you are. And you have to take ownership of that.
0: And do you think people know that?
1: I unfortunately don't. Some people do know that. Some people have a sense of it, but not enough people do. And there will be others who will help you along the way, hopefully, your managers, HR, friends, and colleagues, but you have to be ultimately responsible for it.
0: I want to ask about career construction because it seems to me there's a pattern in careers that mean early on, People just take opportunities that arise. They aren't strategic, but they're enthusiastic and they learn. And then all of a sudden, some dissatisfaction seems to occur. And it might be a quarter life or a midlife crisis. I don't know, but there's a moment when people decide they want to be strategic about what and how they achieve. What's next? Is this also your experience?
1: A hundred percent. I see so many college seniors just worried about that first job out of school. And especially during a recession where their options are fewer, they scramble for what they can get. And really, whether you're a senior in college, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, think of this like playing chess. You don't just think about your next move. If you want to win the game, you want to think four, five, 10 moves ahead if you can. And really set yourself up. Don't just think, well, this job is better than my last one. Think about where does this job take you? Think about where you want to be down the road and then backtrack and say, if here's where I want to be in five years or 10 years, where do I need to be in the intermediary steps to get there and develop towards that goal? Don't just only look two feet in front of you.
0: Okay, so let's hone in on two topics now. The first is career planning and the second is job optimization. So you've just said in planning a career, we need to look 10 years ahead, as far ahead as we can. How do we plan a career? How do we actually do that? Some people don't even know what they want to be next year, let alone in 10 years.
1: And if you can go further than 10 years, that's even better. You begin by asking yourself questions. And these questions are in the book. They're also a free download on the website. And what you do with these questions, you ask yourself, what do I want out of life? It begins with life, not your job, because your job is part of your overall life. Where do you want to live? What type of work do you want? Do you want to be working 80-hour weeks? Do you just want to be working 40-hour weeks? Do you want flexibility in your jobs? Do you want to manage other people? Do you want to be working by yourself? There's a whole bunch of questions. And even if you don't know exactly what you want to do, When you start to say, I think I want to do more of this or that, it helps you narrow down the direction you might want to go in. Then you supplement that by talking to people in different fields. If you're if you're already committed to a field, stay within your field. If you're not sure, talk to people in different fields, certainly different roles, and ask them about what they do and see how that maps to your preferences. And that's going to help you start to direct towards what you want, hopefully narrowing it down to an ideal dream job
0: okay so what do we need to do i know i get like everybody else super busy in my day-to-day and i think it's really easy to de-invest in your career in the long term so how do we stay invested in our career and not just in the given moment
1: most people focus on career development but within the narrow area of their discipline okay so i work in technology the technologies I use didn't exist 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And so people in my field know, okay, we need to be paying attention to what's the newest technology. Doctors, lawyers, accountants, they of course have to take formal training every few years to keep up with it. All of us, to some extent, we listen to podcasts, we read blogs, we go to formal training, and we stay within that discipline. And that is important. You're probably spending 30, 40 hours a year developing those skills. Shave off 10 of them and focus on your career planning, focus on developing these skills, networking, negotiation, leadership, because those are gonna give you much better returns. And really for career planning, just put something on your calendar, an hour a month. Just say for this hour, maybe even an hour a quarter, you're gonna sit down and just think about where am I going? How is this job helping me get there? How have I been getting there so far? Am I on the right track? Do I need to even change the path? And that's okay. Your your plan does have to be set in stone, but create some regular cadence. Even if it's just once a year, probably corresponding with your annual review, take a little time to think about where you're going and if that's the right path for you, and then how to get there.
0: You said the word investment before, that it's the best investment, Explain to me your thinking around this as an investment.
1: I'm going to use a very almost base example. Let's take negotiating. Imagine you're 30 years old. You take a negotiating class. You learn a little bit, a bit about negotiating. And you go for your next job, and they offer you $70,000. But you negotiate a little, and so you get $71,000. It's not a big uplift. It's something we can all imagine doing. And now you stay in this job for the rest of your career, another 30 years, what just happened? You made $1,000 more, but it's going to happen every year for 30 years. You just made $30,000 with one tiny negotiation. Now, of course, we know you're not just going to stay at that job for 30 years. You're going to have other jobs, other raises, promotions. It's going to be more than $1,000. If you just spent a little time learning to negotiate, not about becoming the world's best negotiator, but just getting a little better at this can literally add tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars to your lifetime earning. And when you look at it that way, of course it's worth spending a few hours reading a book, taking a class, doing some training for this. The return is massive. Now, negotiations are the most obvious example because we can say, oh, that negotiation led to this monetary result. But if you do this with not only negotiations, but building out your network, building out your leadership capabilities, your communication abilities, all the skills we talk about in the book, each one of them is gonna give you this massive return. It might not be as obvious. No one's gonna say, oh, you're a leader, here's a thousand dollars more. But when you're seen as a better leader, you get better opportunities, which of course translates into better roles and more compensation.
0: I watched a debate between an investment banker and a people and culture leader in an organization once and the people and culture leader said investing in your career is much more valuable than putting money in the stock market and i've always remembered that so that goes to your point that investing in ourselves and our career development is potentially much more worthwhile than a decision about where we invest
1: our money i completely agree with that you can get massive returns when you invest in yourself and have these capabilities. Good news is you can do both. Put that extra income you get into the stock market, get those returns, but absolutely invest in yourself.
0: Okay, so before you said there's some questions that people need to ask themselves, and you mentioned a few about the long-term, what would you recommend some questions that people ask themselves on an annual or even a quarterly basis? What's something that springs to mind for you is a good question we can ask ourselves about our career?
1: Well, in the long term, we, of course, think what's that dream job and then what are the steps to get there? And that can be a, a long list of things that you're going to get over time. And the analogy I like to use on January 1st, when you want to really improve and you want to quit smoking and wake up early and go to the gym and eat better and do all these things you know you can't do it all at once right what do you do you focus on one thing you focus just on quitting smoking so i'm going to do this for a few months and it's going to be hard and i'm probably going to eat more while i quit smoking but then after a few months you lose the craving for smoking you've got the handle on it now you start to focus on something else and that's what we want to do we have this laundry list what do i need to qualify for this job in 10 years I can't do it all next week. Let me pick one thing. And this is my goal for the next year. Become better at public speaking. Learn to be a better negotiator. Maybe it does mean picking up skills within my discipline. Whatever it is, you set that specific goal. The rest of them will have to wait. And that's okay. And then you look and say, how am I doing with respect to that goal? Right. If I plan public speaking... It used to be maybe I couldn't even stand up and couldn't look people in the eye and I sounded very timid. Where am I now? I'm okay. Maybe I'm not where I want to be, so I'll keep investing in it. Or maybe, you know what, I feel confident. I can't go in front of 1,000 people, but I can stand up in front of my company, my department of 50 people, and that's good enough for now. So goal achieved, move on to the next goal. So that's a concrete goal and planning assessment you want to do at a quarterly or semi-annual period.
0: Okay. So I'm conscious, Mark, that sometimes people's career plans change, either sometimes for things that aren't in their control, sometimes things within their control, and we change. How do we engage in a change in career?
1: Eisenhower once said, plans are worthless, but planning is everything. (laughs) And that is the key here. Your plan is not set in stone. Things will happen. Your company may have a great opportunity, your boss may leave, you have an opportunity for promotion, or you get a new bad boss and now it's not going to happen. Occasionally pandemics come by and that throws everything off. So you need to have this act of planning and thinking about how do I want to get there? But just like when you take that road trip and you say, well, I know where I want to go, but then you get lost along the way, or there's a detour, what do you do? You say, well, I still know where I'm trying to go, I'm just going to have to reroute myself. And so, that's what you're going to do with your plan. And that's why you don't just say, here's where I want to be in 10 years. You're going to have to say, you know what, I was planning on doing this, but I have to make a change. Or sometimes we say, you know what, I'm going down this path, I realize this is not where I want to be. I remember I once went to LA to see a friend of mine, realized I really am not an LA person, Los Angeles type of person. So we said, you know what, let's go to Palm Springs. We changed our plans. We changed our ultimate destination. Once we realized this wasn't where I wanted to be and your career plan, it's yours. It's not that you have committed and promised other people you'll do this. So you can change not only your path, but even your outcome, the final goal.
0: So I'm fascinated by this idea of accountability and responsibility for your own career plan. I think a lot of people look at their managers and think, well, take me with you, show me what I need to do. What is sort of the enabling, empowering things that we need to remember to be able to take control of our career?
1: It's that you are responsible for setting those goals, for setting the plan to achieve those goals and executing on that plan. Now, hopefully you have a good support system and you can talk about these goals with your manager. Ideally, if you have an annual review before going into that review, look at yourself and say, where am I trying to go? how have I done so far this year? When you walk into the review, you're not saying they're saying, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what my manager is going to say to me. Instead, you say, hey, here's what I'm thinking and thank you for the feedback, and that's helpful, and this is what you're telling me you want me to do going forward. Here are things I'd like to do going forward. Can you incorporate some of that into my plan for next year? That might be putting me on some project, getting me involved in some activity, I have someone right now, I know for him to reach his next level, he has to gain more experience speaking to senior people. It's not that he can't do public speaking, but speaking correctly to senior people and being able to efficiently convey the message at that level, it's not something he's done before. So I'm going to give him opportunities throughout the coming year to be able to present in that manner. And I'm going to coach him along the way and build up that particular skill. So that's what you want to do, identify these areas and work with your manager or HR or other people to find opportunities in your company or possibly outside of it. You might have side hobbies or activities where you can engage in this.
0: Okay, you talked about a support system. I'm keen to understand you've mentioned HR people, your manager, who else might we engage to support us once we're clear about what our goal is and then actually take us on the the movement forward?
1: Sure, you have your direct manager, You have HR. I say you have them. You may not at some companies, but ideally you would. You might have mentors. You might have peers who can help you. It doesn't have to be someone who's even more senior. It's just someone who has some knowledge or something that can be helpful to you. You could have peer groups. So I'm a member of the New York CTO Club, and we have 150 CTOs, and we bounce ideas off each other, and we help each other when we have challenges, whether technical or professional. You might find groups like that or create your own. You might have peer learning groups, as I talk about in the book. It could even be, again, blogs, articles, wonderful podcasts like this that help inspire you by giving you ideas and direction for how you can execute. So be liberal in taking sources of information.
0: Mark, I want to ask about job optimization. What do you mean when you talk about optimizing your job?
1: When you think back to university, you were trained in university to get the right answer. The professor said, here is the test. And you have to just fill in that little box on the bottom with the right answer. And if you're trying to figure out, how do I get the right answer? Well, here's a hint. It's what the professor was teaching you last month. It's really easy. Now, life doesn't work that way. In life, your manager says, do this. You might not know how. Your manager might not even know what the right answer is or even looks like, and she just expects you to figure it out. Ideally, you even help, here are the questions that she should be asking, right? Go a step beyond, teach her the right questions to ask. Think about when you give her answers, how does she want it? So a very simple version of this, I'm not a morning person. And if you want to pitch me on some great new idea that you think the team should be doing, right as I walk in 9 a.m. Monday morning, you say, Mark, here's a great idea. Let me tell you what it is. Yeah, I can't pay attention to that, right? Um, I like my big ideas in the afternoon. Some people, when you give them these ideas, they want you to pitch it. They want you to sell them on the vision. Others say, give me a project plan. Give me a financial analysis. Some people prefer you email them the ideas or put it down in writing. We all have different styles. What does your boss want? What is the communication style with your with your boss? What is the value that you are adding to the company? And then what can you do to increase that value to make yourself or your team more valuable to the company and to the customer? These are things we're never taught in school. But if you understand this, you become so much more effective in your job.
0: It sounds like it's something we might need a bit of courage to do and encouragement
1: It's, I think, most important is that we listen and pay attention. Understand how does your boss like to receive information? How do your teammates? What is their work style? Even look in a company. Some companies, if someone sends an email, the expectation is you reply to it quickly. Other companies, it's Slack and instant messaging where you get the fast response, and emails aren't as important. Some companies, it's all about face-to-face meetings. Some companies, it's about open conflict of ideas in a meeting. In other companies, you don't have open conflict. And so there are all these different aspects that if you just keep your eyes open and pay attention and watch how people operate, you can recognize these are their styles and you can adjust your own to fit in to the styles of the other people you work with in the company as a whole.
0: Okay. Thank you, Mark. I'm curious about a question that I've asked and had another podcast on actually, and it's called how to be ambitious without being annoying. And I'm curious about your response to that question. How does one be ambitious in their career without becoming annoying?
1: I would draw the distinction between looking out for yourself and looking out for the company. So if you're just saying, ooh, how do I get more money, how do I get more responsibility or control, that's probably going to come off as annoying. But if you change the mindset and look at it the other way, how do I help my boss succeed? How do I help the team succeed? How do I add value to the team, to my internal customers, to the external customers? At that point, you're delivering more value and make sure people recognize this. Now you're going to be given more responsibility, more opportunity, more compensation. The way I advanced in my career, I did a lot of startups early on. I love startup companies. The great thing about startups, we are understaffed and there are no hard boundaries. So I could walk over to any other department, I knew they had problems, and say, oh, it sounds like you have a problem here, how can I help? And by helping, now I gain more responsibility and experience that helped me get additional jobs.
0: Okay. And build greater relationships in the same time. So that's really fantastic. Mark, it's getting close to the end and I always ask our guests the top tips they've got. And I'm wondering if you've got some top career planning tips for us.
1: The most important tip is don't do this alone. Not only can you ask people, as we said, in HR and management, form a peer group when you want to develop these skills, when you want to talk about your career, Traditionally, we've learned by having an expert, the professor, the person on the podcast say, do A, B, C. But these skills, there's not a simple formula, there's no three step process to magically be a leader. The best way to develop these professional skills is to create that peer group, either within your organization or creating a group. I mentioned the New York CTO Club. Uh, you can create meetup groups and you have discussions about situations and get different perspectives. And that is so important to gain these perspectives because someone's going to give you an insight that you're not going to get no matter what book, what expert you listen to. It's by hearing this myriad of opinions. So create that group to support your professional development.
0: We've mentioned the book, The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success No One Taught You, but you've also mentioned an app and some free resources. Where are they available?
1: You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com, can learn more about the book and where to buy it. You can download the free app, which is on the Apple and Google stores. And there are links from the website. And that's going to contain the tips, because when you read a book like this, you forget three weeks later. So this is like a daily affirmation. It's just going to pop up and give you a reminder. Or you open it up when it's time for career planning or a negotiation, and you can open it up and quickly go through the tips relevant to that category. Okay. And then there's a whole bunch of other free resources on the website to help you in your development.
0: Mark, I can't thank you enough. A career toolkit. I think we should all just be given one at the beginning of our career. And hopefully people will respond to this as I have. So thanks, Mark. And it's really been a pleasure to have you on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed being here.
0: Fast Track was presented by me, Margie Hartley. Producer, Tina Mataloff. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. Listener